About uh, almost 38 years ago, I had, uh, I had called Sharon up on the phone. Uh, we had just met at church, and we were just getting to, you know, just talking. There was nothing serious going on yet, at least with her. There was with me. I had, I had definite intentions. But, uh, and uh, so when I was talking to Sharon on the phone, I said, well, I have some stuff she had agreed to type up my mission letters, and uh, um, which was kind of a ploy for me to get closer to her. So I had asked her at church if she would help me because I was a lousy typist and um, and still am. And uh, so I said I'd like to bring these letters out to you. And Sharon said to me, she said, "Okay, well I'll be home from work at this time." And and she said, um, um, "Let me tell you how to get to our our house." and uh, where, where we live. And so um, I said, okay. She said, uh, do you have a pen and paper? And I said to her on the phone, I don't need one. I'll remember it. <laughs> so we're talking on the phone, and she goes, now you're going to come over to Route 7. I didn't even know where Route 7 was. I'd lived in Marietta for four years, five years almost, and I didn't know where Route 7, I never went on that side of the river and uh, where she lived at. She lived on the other side of the tracks. I mean, the river. And, uh, and so I had, uh, I had said, I, I, so I said, okay, Route 7. I figured, well, you know, somebody will know where Route 7 is, so I'll be able to find it. So she says, and you're going to go down Route 7, and then you're going to go down towards, I forget what it was, Cameron or something like that, turn left. You're going to go up this road, and then you're going to follow this road past Aerolite, and you're going to keep following it out, and then you're going to go over this real small bridge over a creek, and then you're going to get, keep going and keep going, and it's out on Indian Run. Okay, I didn't know there was an Indian Run. And she, while she's telling me that, and I'm, I'm, I finally realized at a moment there that I had no idea how I was going to get to where she was at, and that I stopped her on the phone and said, I better get a pen and paper. Now, here's the thing. When something is important to you, you write it down. We're getting more and more lousy in church about writing stuff down during messages. And it's part of that, and I, and I realize, look, I'm not picking on anybody here. I'm just saying part of it is, is that we, we get into a place in our life like, well, it'll be good, but I don't know that it'll be life-changing. We'll see if something life-changing. Let me tell you something. Had I gone through that and not wrote down what Sharon had said, I would have never found where she was. She lived out in a hollow by a creek. And there was no way that anybody, even listening to the Holy Spirit, would be able to find their way back there <laughs> to where she lived at. I had to write it down. In church, when we are hearing things, if we're really serious, you know, if I was here today and told you that I'm going to show you how, uh, how seriously, I'm going to show you today, I'm going to teach you about how, where a million dollars is buried here in Gratiot County. And I started talking to you about, you know, you got to drive down this road and then you got to hang a right. Then you got to go 10 paces to the left and then you got to go. Now, listen, you're not going to sit there and just go, well, I'll remember all that. Sure. No, you won't. No, you won't, because we're etch-a-sketches. We hear stuff, and then our head gets bumped, and it's all erased. We completely forgot. 
And you say, well, what do you mean our head got bumped? Somebody, somebody did something. Don't you think the devil knows that about you? That he don't want you to learn anything while you're here. And if you do learn something and it really is helping you, he wants to make sure that by the time you get home, you forgot about it. Because see, if you hear the word and then you apply the word to your life, then you're going to change your life. And when you change your life, you're causing problems for your enemy. Now, I know in church, you know, we could make things, and I, I've been thinking a lot about this. I know in church we could make it easy. I could just make the notes up for us. I'll just give you my notes. I'll just say, okay, well, here, I'll just do all. But look, you didn't earn that. You didn't work for it. And we're getting too much in our lives we did not work for. Because when you work for it, listen, it's real to you. It's real to you. And, uh, I, you know, I just, that's how I, I just, I really felt that this morning in my prayer time. I, I'm going to share a message with you called Prayer Secrets. And it, listen, if you do what I'm talking about today, it absolutely will revolutionize your prayer life. I meet more Christians, they're just so frustrated about their prayer life. They're like, my prayer life, it's just either non-existent or it's here and there, or I'm really struggling and, uh, you know, or I don't have, you know, I... I don't know. I really want to pray. I've read books on prayer, all the different. I've heard sermons on prayer, but I just really struggle with prayer. Well, I believe that I can really help you today. Amen. And if you really, 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 really want help, you're about to discover a great treasure. Now, you're going to have to decide how important it is to you. Usually my Bibles are full of notes that I write down from messages that I hear do you know why? Because I want to make sure that I can't carry that with me when I get out of here and that, uh, that I can apply it to my life. Amen. Especially stuff that I absolutely know that was the Holy Ghost talking to me. The Holy Spirit was really trying to talk to me. Well, you're just trying to get us to take notes. Yeah, I am. I am. I am. Because if it's important to you, then you're going to keep notes about it. You're going to track it. So, I'm not giving out paper. I'm not giving out pens. If you came today and you're not ready, be ready next week. Amen. Amen. Luke 18.1. This is a great passage. Jesus told a parable. You ready for it? Men ought always to pray and not faint. <laughs> that was, he started the whole thing with men ought always to pray and not faint. In fact, the Amplified Version says of this verse, this is really awesome. It says, you ought, always, they ought, you ought always to pray and not to turn coward. That almost sounds like fighting words, doesn't it? And not to turn coward. Not to faint. Not to lose heart. And not give up. Now here's the thing. As I'm reading this, I'm thinking, I'm, I'm feeling like the Holy Spirit is saying to us, that look, if you're not praying, you probably feel like turning coward. You probably feel like fainting. You probably feel like losing heart. You probably feel like giving up. And so what do we, what do we, what's the only way to change that? The magic pill. Here it is, the silver bullet. This is it. This is the prayer. Prayer is the key. Prayer is the key for you not to faint. Well, I thought it was the Word. Well, look, it is the Word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word. 
You know, I like what Ian Bounds said. He said, Ian Bounds says the Word of God is the fulcrum that, that, is, that is used to leverage everything in our lives. It is the Word of God. A fulcrum is the, the point, you know, where when you, um, when you take a beam, you can't just, you could just lift that beam, but if you put a fulcrum, which is just like a rock or something like that, underneath that beam, that beam now has a greater leverage for whatever's in front of it. The Word of God is your fulcrum in your life. It's, it's what you and I have in our lives that gives us, we ought to use everything God has given us. Oh my goodness, man. It's like He's given us these great treasures and things that we can do. And, and we ought to use all of it to be able to our benefit. So we need that in our lives. I, there was a couple of other things Bounds said. I haven't been reading after Ian Bounds. It'll sound like I have today, but, but I haven't. I just I looked up a couple of quotes that he had spoken which I thought were so powerful. And uh, here was one of them. He said, the church is looking for better methods. You know, we all do that, don't we? We are looking for better methods. God is looking for better men. When I say men, I mean better men and women. We're looking for better methods. The church, here's one other. (laughs) These don't get any better, by the way. What the church needs today is not more machinery or better not new organizations or more novel methods, but men whom the Holy Ghost can use. Men of prayer, men of mighty in prayer. The Holy Ghost does not flow through methods, but through men. Oh man, that is awesome, isn't it? Does not flow through methods, but through men. He does not come on machinery, but on men. He does not anoint plans, but men. He anoints men and women of prayer. So see... We all in our lives are always looking for better methods, aren't we? I mean, you know, we, 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 we look for better methods to work out. We look, out for, we look for better methods of eating. We look for better methods of sleeping, better methods of how to clean our house, better methods to do our laundry. We're always trying to improve the methods, but we need to realize that the methods are useless without the man. That we're the key. We're the key to the methods working. You know, you you can have awesome exercise equipment in your house that holds your laundry and does nothing. See, it's not the method. And we could think that, well, if I get the next thing, then that will be the method that will make me, you know, have a six-pack of abs now I'm talking about, you know, or trim down or finally feel healthy or feel good. That's not true. Because see, now stay with me, please. Because the problem is not the method. The problem is you. And it's me. And I have nothing wrong with learning new methods. I love to learn. I'm a, I'm a lifetime learner, and I love learning new, you know, better, if, better eating habits. I love all that, all, better exercise. All of it's awesome. But the the issue is, when it all comes down to it, it really has nothing to do with the methods. Because look, you can get a great workout with a rock, right? Just ignore Joe. Just ignore him. You get better, you can get a great workout with a big old boulder out of your yard, right? A tree limb and the ground. And the ground. 
How much that cost you? Yeah, it's all free, right? So, well, I'm going to start. I'm going to start this new plan. I'm going to start this new exercise plan. It's going to give me, you know, six pack of abs. It's really awesome. I I read it. It's a, it's a abs in a minute a day. That's awesome. Wow, cool. Let me tell you the best way to get a six pack: push yourself away from the table, and don't eat after eight o'clock at night. Well, I thought that'd go over great. No, but look. This is the same thing with prayer. I'm going to teach you a, a, the way that I pray, okay? I'm going to teach you the way I pray, the way that I, that I learned the best way to pray. And I'm not going to talk to you about that you need to pray an hour. We, throw time out. We don't care about time with prayer, okay? So how long it is, we don't care. That doesn't matter. I'm going to teach you how to pray the way that I learned how to pray, if you will apply this, remember, you're the key. Look at your neighbor and say, you're the key. You're the key. Okay, so you learn this, this will revolutionize your life if you apply it. So I want you to write down, if you're writing down, the, the letters A-C-T-S, A-C-T-S, Acts, okay? A-C-T-S, all right? A-C-T-S. This is how I pray. A, adoration. Adoration. I always believe that you should start prayer with adoration of God. When Jesus, when his disciples said, teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray, Jesus taught them this, our Father who art in heaven, and then he goes on to say, hallowed be thy name. Hallowed, what it means is honored, revered, holy is your name. What is he doing? He is adoring. He's, cre- he's creating adoration towards the Lord. So when, and, and you know, if, we're, if adoration isn't a word that you use, we, we just put a word after it, the word praise, okay? So we start our prayer with praise. We start our prayer with praise. So, well, what do I praise him for? Well, what do you have to praise him about? I praise you that I'm alive. I praise you that for my kids. I praise you for my wife, my husband. I praise you that I have a home to live in. I praise you today, Father, that I have a vehicle to drive. I praise you that I got a job. Look, once you start praising him, it changes everything, okay? You'll be able to think of lots of things to praise him for. I praise you that I can walk. There's plenty of people that can't. I praise you that I can use both my arms. I praise you, Lord God, that I have clear speech. I praise you that I can hear. I praise you that I can see. You begin to move through all of the different avenues of praise. And so praise creates a posture before God for you and I. It puts us, it takes us out of the paradigm of life and puts us into the paradigm of God, which means the pattern of God. In, that, in, the, in, the, in the scriptures, when it talks about praise, it talks about how that praise brings you before the Lord. Not that God is going, okay, so I'm impressed with your praise, you can come before me, but it's changing your thought processes. It's making it different. So when you begin to give praise or adoration to the Lord in your prayer time, when you're starting, you're finding things that you're praising Him, not thanking Him about, but praising Him for, okay? Because there's a difference between praise and thanksgiving. 
So I'm praising him. I'm, I'm praising you, Lord, that what a, you know, I got up this morning at 5 a.m. I sat and had my coffee, did my devotions, watched the sun come up out my living room window, and just thought about how awesome God is. God, I praise you for creation, for what you have done, that the sun got up, came out this morning, you know, that, it, that the earth continues to spin, that things that you have declared, Lord God, are still continuing on. What is that doing for you and I when we begin to praise him? It's, it's getting our mind off of the junk, right? Because we all got junk. Are you here? We all got junk. Everybody's got stuff. You know, there's, look, we got junk in our marriage we got to deal with. We got junk with our kids we got to deal with. We got junk with finances. We got junk with health. We got junk on the farm. We got, look, we got all this stuff. When I say junk, I'm just talking about things that aren't going the way that, you know, that we want them to go, that we believe that they should go. Everybody has that, okay? Everybody here does at some level or another. But what we do is, is that when we praise, we get our mind off of us and we get our mind on God. People that praise the Lord don't have bad attitudes. People that don't praise the Lord, they, got, they can have bad attitudes. I have never met anybody that had praise in their mouth for God that had a bad... I have never that had praise for God that had a bad attitude. Never. Never met anybody like that. I've met plenty of people that have had bad attitudes that had no praise. And see, the, 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 the issue and the difficulty is, is that, and you'll know this is true, when we get negative about our lives... That never ends. It may start with one thing, it will build to the next thing, it will build to the next thing, and it will build to the next thing, and we will totally put ourselves in an atmosphere and an attitude of negativity about our whole life. Praise makes a difference. My, one of my favorite stories uh, about this is that uh, this, this guy, he was sleeping. He had a mustache, you know, kind of like Mike over here. And so he had this mustache. And while he's asleep, this, his buddies, they came over, you know, his buddies will do, and put Limburger cheese on his mustache. Well, he's laying there asleep, and all of a sudden he, he goes, oh, oh, my goodness. Have you ever smelled Limburger cheese? Just get your toes real close after you've wore your socks all day and shoes. Get them real close to your nose. You kind of know what. Limburger cheese smells like. And so all of a sudden he's like, oh my goodness, this room smells so bad and it stinks in here. And then he walks into another room. He goes, oh my goodness, it stinks in here too. And then he runs into another room. He goes, it stinks in this whole house stinks. And he runs outside and he's smelling her and he goes, this town stinks. Gets in his vehicle, drives outside of town. He gets out of town and he's in the, he goes, the whole state stinks. So he drives out of state, and when he gets out of state, he's in another state, and he goes, this state, it must be the whole world stinks. And he never knew the problem was right under his nose. And that's where your problem is. It's this thing right here, under your nose. Begin to praise the Lord. Begin to give Him praise. You just start praising Him for... You know, God, praise, I praise you today for your goodness. I praise you for your mercy. I praise you for saving me. Oh, my goodness. All right, so that's, that's A. All right, C, confession. 
Now, confession gets a bad rap because always when we talk about confession, we start thinking about, okay, we're going to confess our sins. So we went from praising the Lord to confessing our sins. And there is something to confession of our sins. Obviously, the Bible teaches us that if we confess our sins, that he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But, you know, so what ends up happening is that becomes like if we, if we know that we've got sin, we're confessing that to the Lord and we move on from that or we grovel for a while because we feel bad about it, or we don't feel like we have a whole lot of sin in our life, so we're not confessing anything. But confession is a good thing for us before the Lord, that we confess our sins. You know, Lord, I, I lost my temper. Lord, I told a lie. Lord, I didn't do what I was supposed to. You told me to do something. I didn't do it. But that's only one part of confession, Okay. The other side of confession, the word confession in the Greek language is the word homologia, and it means to say the same word. And so when we talk about confession, what God wants us to do is not just to confess our sins, but he wants us to confess what he has said. So I'm going to give you five things you should confess every day of your life. They're real easy to do, okay? Five things that you can confess. Number one, Jesus is Lord of my life. Uh, Philippians 2, 9, 10, and 11 says that uh, God highly exalted Jesus, gave him the name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. All right? So I begin my, my confession of you are Lord of my life. Now let's go a little further with that. Luke 9, 23 says that Lord... Um, that if any man will follow you, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow after you. So, Lord, today I make the determination in my life. You're Lord of my life. So I deny myself, and, Lord, I commit myself to your lordship. You lead, you're in charge, Lord. You lead me, you guide me, okay? You lead me, you guide me. Number two thing that you need to confess every day is, is that you cast all your care upon the Lord. This is a daily thing that we need to do is to cast our care, throw it to the Lord. The amplified version of 1 Peter 5, uh, is it 5.4, I think it is? 1 Peter 5.4 says that, cast the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your concerns, and all your worries once and for all upon him because he cares for you affectionately and he's watching over you. Get rid of that anxiety, okay? Anxiety is a killer. It is a killer. I know. In our world, look, we deal with... And, and, and even in the church, anxiety is huge. I mean, it, it's, it is, anxiety leads to depression. It, it has a natural course that it follows. The scriptures teach us that. Anxiety in the heart causes depression is what the proverb says. That anxiety is not something that you want to fool around with in your life. You want to get rid of it as quick as you can. The only way you can get rid of it is to deal with the root cause. Now you say, well, the root cause of anxiety is, is that I'm worried about if this thing is going to be taken care of. They say that seven out of, I think it was like seven out of eight things that you worry about are never going to happen. Seven out of eight things you worry about will never happen. Okay? And the one that does happen, you could actually change the outcome of that. So what happens is now we have a whole world that's totally anxious. People are running around, they're anxious. They're anxious about, will I keep my job? Well, I, you know, what are my kids going to do? What is my marriage going to do? What is my spouse doing? What's going on in my life? Will my car break down? Will my house, will I lose my house? On and on, all this anxiety. 
And watching television does not help get rid of anxiety, by the way. Actually, it creates more of it in our lives because, you know, um, you know in our home, because we farm, uh, you know, at 6 o'clock, the, you're watching the weather report. That could create a lot of anxiety, especially when they say, today or tomorrow, there will be 60-mile-an-hour winds coming through. And plan. And the, what do they always finish it with? Plan on your power going out. Wow. Right? Tree limbs will be down. Ice is coming. We just went through a winter of nuts. Craziness out there, right? Things happen. Do you know that at our home, and I mean, all the stuff that they told us was going to happen, it never happened. Now, did the weather get bad? Yes. Did things get crazy? Yeah, the vortex came. It came and went. And bad ice and bad water. And I had water in my barn and on and on and on. But you know what? We went right through it, got through it, dealt with all of it. We never did lose power at the house. We've Filled our bathtub a couple of times just in case, but you know, we, we, we got through it all. Most seven out of eight things you're worrying about aren't even going to happen. Look at your neighbor and say, He's talking to you right now. Oh, no, yeah, I am. I'm talking to you. Oh, yeah. I have to tell Richard Jolliffe that too. Richard, seven out of eight things that you're worrying about right now, they're not even going to happen. So stop it. Knock it off. So, anyways, what do we do with that? Well, as a Christian believer, we have an ally. And here's the, here it is. In the book of Philippians, it tells us that you and I, in chapter 3 and verse 10, it says that we're to be anxious for nothing or be careful, don't worry about anything, but in everything with prayer and supplication, make a request made known to God. And then it says the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard our heart and mind in Christ Jesus. So what is the key to beating anxiety? Prayer. You really, I mean, look, if you got to take meds, take meds. But always remember, the meds won't get rid of what you're dealing with. Prayer is what gets rid of it. Because prayer does not change God. Prayer changes you. It's like you plugging into the power source. You know, you charge that phone every, I mean, you've seen that new commercial. I mean, how you're watching people, they're talking about them phones now that you can get. And if you're low on your phone, if they have the same kind of phone, they can share their charge on their phone with you. Maybe you haven't seen that. And it's like you watch people, they're on their phone, and then all of a sudden they go like this. And the guy next to him goes, Right? <laughs> Well, let me tell you, God's in heaven going, right? I got the charge. You want to get charged up? Get, come here. Come over here where I'm at. Get away from that other nut stuff. I'll give you a charge. I'll get that sad, sour, puss look off your face like you've been sucking on a lemon all day. Oh, that's good, Pastor. Thank you. So, Jesus is Lord. Get rid of the anxiety. Lord, I cast my care on you. I'm, I'm, it's on you, God. You care about me. I'm not going to worry about all this stuff today. All right? Three, God is my healer. Jesus is my healer. Matthew 8, 17, it tells us in his word, we're making the confession before the Lord. Make this every single day that I'm confessing over my life that God is my healer. Matthew 8, 17 says that, uh, that um, he himself bore our sicknesses and carried away our diseases. Lord, if you carried them and you bore them, I'm not going to carry them and worry about them in my life, Lord. I declare you're my healer in my body. Amen. 
Lord, Isaiah 53, uh, it says real clear there in chapter in verse 5, Lord God, that you were wounded for my transgressions, bruised for my iniquities, the chastisement of my peace is upon you, and by your stripes I am healed. So Lord, today I declare your healing over my body, over my life. Four, my, God meets all my needs. This is a confession to make every day. So we're talking about A, adoration. C, confession. That's why you need to write this down. It's a lot of information. All right. So I'm confessing, Lord, you meet every need, Philippians 4.19. My God shall supply all of my need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. The word need there is all-encompassing. One translation of that word is employment. If you need a job, it says there that my God shall supply all my employment according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So you don't have to worry about it. God will open the doors. God will get you in the right place. God will do things at the right time. Amen? You and I just have to make sure that we're not sitting back letting anxiety keep us all freaked out until it happens. Most of the time, if we're allowing ourselves to be overcome by it, what's ending up happening to us is that we're, we're going to miss our opportunity because we're too, just too freaked out by the time it comes. All right? Five. You ready? Last one for confession. 1 Corinthians 1.30. Jesus Christ has become to me wisdom. He is my righteousness. He is my sanctification. He is my redemption. And there's four verses that can tie into that. I'll give those to you real quick, okay? So Colossians chapter 1 tells us that in, that, or chapter 2 says that in Christ is all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so if Christ is in you, you have the treasures of wisdom and knowledge inside of you. You have wisdom. You're not stupid. You're not dumb. You're not ignorant. You have God's wisdom inside of you. He is our righteousness, 2 Corinthians 5.21. He made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He's my sanctification. John 17, verse 17 says that, God, you sanctify us through the word because, Lord, because you sanctify us through the word because his word is holy. We are sanctified through the word of God in our life. God is our sanctification because of the word in our lives. Amen. Redemption. Galatians 3.13. Christ has redeemed me from the curse of the law, having become a curse for me, as it is written, cursed is anyone that hangs upon a tree. Jesus became the curse. I'm not under the curse. Don't ever let anybody in your life. See, when you say this kind of stuff every day and someone says, I'm cursed, immediately out of your heart, you're going to hear, you're going to hear yourself saying, well, God didn't do it. I'd never say that over myself. God's blessed me. I'm not cursed. If you've been running around saying you're cursed, you need to get this scripture deep in your heart. Well, my mother cursed me, or my dad cursed me, or I'm just cursed. I, heard, I have had good Christian people that go to this church say, well, everything's going wrong. I just must be under, I must be cursed or something. You know what comes out of my mouth right away? Well, I'll tell you what, if you're a believer in Christ and you have Jesus Christ in your life, you're redeemed from the curse of the law. See, when you put, you can't help this, the Bible says, and I don't have time to get into all of this, but out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth is speaking. So what you're putting in is what is coming out, all right? And if you garbage in, garbage out. So you put in the word, the word is coming out. Amen. And you'll have people say stuff, and immediately, and you, you don't have, you're, look, we're not the scripture police running around in society telling everybody how wrong they are and what they just said was not biblical, all right? 
But, I'm, but what I'm saying is, is make sure you're telling yourself the right thing. Amen. Thanks, Pastor. So Jesus Christ is my, <laughs> amen. Jesus Christ is my redemption. Jesus Christ is my sanctification. Jesus Christ is my righteousness. Jesus Christ is my wisdom. 1 Corinthians 1.30. So adoration, confession. You ready for the next one? Now, we've gone through our confessions. Now we go to Thanksgiving, T, Thanksgiving. Now I begin to thank God. I begin to thank him for the things in my life. The Bible says that when we come into his, to his gates, we're coming into his courts. Gates, we're coming with thanksgiving in our heart, into his courts with praise. So prayer has to have thanksgiving and, and praise in both aspects of it. So I'm coming in with thanksgiving. So I start going through my list of things I'm thankful for. Now, Everybody look up at me just for a minute. When you are thanking God, you are revealing what you believe about God. Okay? So your thanksgiving is what your faith is saying over your life. So you're thanking Him regardless of whether it's happening or not because you have the title deed of His Word and, and that says in Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 1, now faith is things hoped for, it's the evidence of things that are not seen. So what you and I are doing, we're already declaring that, God, I thank you that this is settled and taken care of already. Yeah. Even though I may not see the manifestation of it, I thank you, God, that it is done. Amen? Amen. I thank you that it's done. So... There also is that element of that we are thanking him for our children. We're thanking him for our spouse. We're thanking him for everything that we have in our lives. We thank him for our jobs. You know, that's a little different than the praise aspect of it because we're, we're truly connecting that with our faith. Where do we see that going? So, God, I thank you. You know, I might be dealing with pain in my body, but God, I thank you that you are my healer. See, when it, when it ties into the confessions that we just made, we're releasing. I thank you that I can cast all my care on you. I thank you, God, that you provide every need. I thank you, Lord God, that you're the Lord of my life, that you're leading and guiding me. You're a good shepherd. I mean, on and on. So I'm giving thanks to him. Now I get to the S, the S, and that's supplication. So I've held this off because now I've gone through adoration, I've gone through uh, confession, I've gone through thanks. Let me tell you, when you get to supplication at this point, and supplication means those are your requests, you know, the things that you're going to request of God, that you're charged. You cannot do these three things without getting charged up. You cannot. Because your whole thinking now, and look, we're not worried about time. We're not worried about how long you did it. I'm just talking about that you did it. So you adored the Lord. You praised Him. You confessed His Word. You confessed these scriptures over your life every day. You just, you know, they're part of your prayer life. And then you move into this thanksgiving element where you're thanking God for things that you're believing for. You're thanking God that He's out there working. You're thanking God that, that for what He's already done, what He is doing, and what He's going to do in your life. And then you move into this last part of supplication. You're, you're full, instead of being full of paste and flour, you're now through full of faith and power. You feel like you got something. And you begin to make these supplications before the Lord. So now what am I doing? I'm praying for Mike, or I'm praying for Joe, or I'm, I'm praying for Sharon, or I'm praying, you know, I begin to move through my prayer situation that I'm praying over different, over the church, God, praying for growth, praying for increase, praying for, Lord God, that you give us good partners that will stand with us, people that will get involved. I'm, I'm moving through all of the list of supplications that I have before the Lord. 
You say, well, do we have to jump? Why can't we just go right to that? Because you're not in the, you're not in the place of prayer yet. See, when we go into a place of prayer with fear, which that's where a lot of people pray from. You know, it's sort of like in life today, prayer becomes the last resort. Well, there's not, I've heard actually people say this, well, we can't do anything but pray. Well, it's just come down to, we're going to have to pray because there isn't anything else we can do, right? Well, listen, there was something else you could do. You could adore, you can confess, you can give thanks. Now we can come to a place when we're in faith and we begin to move into supplication. Say, well, pastor, you know what? Look, that just sounds like a lot of work to me. And you know what? It is a lot of work. And you know what? I'll tell you another secret. It won't do you any good if you only do it one time. Well, I expect my whole life to change after one time. Yeah, just like most people that get gym memberships. I went to the gym. I got a trainer, right? I bought a Bowflex. I bought the Ab Buster 5000. Yeah. I'm on the keto diet. Well, great. I did Atkins. I'm on the Whole Foods. On and on. We go through all these different things that we say, but look, none of that matters if it's not consistently happening in our life on a day to day basis. Anybody can be good for a day right? Anybody can pray for a day. But how about on a consistent basis? You say, well, well, how long will this all take, Pastor? I'm really busy. I got a lot going on. I mean, I, I don't know. You know, it just seems to me like you got us doing all those things. Well, look, you can, you can, it isn't going to take long at all. It's going to go as long as you feel like it needs to go. The issue is, will you make the time for it? Well, I don't have time. I don't have any time. Okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's do this. Let's do your week, this week. I want you, you can do this, all right? Write down everything you do with your time this week. Just write it all down, okay? What time you got up, you know, how long your bathroom things took all morning, whatever, breakfast, kids, drive to work, come home from work, and then continue to write out for the evening everything that you're doing. Write it out for a whole week. Bring it back next week, and we'll talk about it. Because I promise you, in advance, that I will find all kinds of time in your busy schedule that you think you have. Well, I'm going to take that challenge. Good. I'm, I'm glad. Amen. I, I'm glad. Do it. Yeah, because see, that's what we do is, is that we're buying into some kind of foolishness. That, well, I'm just, I'm too busy. I got too much going on. Man, I'm just, you know, look, just move worry out of your life and think how much more time you'll have. Right? All the stuff you just sit around and think about, like laying in bed at night, you know, going, I don't know, man, tomorrow I got to do, oh, I got to do this. I got to take care of that. What do I do, pastor? It's just, I got all, and think of that. Laying in bed, you could have adored, you could have confessed, you could have thanked, and you could have supplicated. And I promise you that like most Christians, when you're doing spiritual things, you'll be off to sleep in no time. Huh? You'll go right to sleep. While you're in that time of prayer, I mean, look, you'll go right off 
drift off. Because what did you do? You got, you got in the presence of the Lord. You laid it all off on him. You got this thing off your mind. But you got, look, if you want to do it, bring it in. I'm, I'll be more than happy to help you with your schedule. I, I'm, a, I'm an awesome time management person. I'm, a, I'm amazing at it. I'll be glad to help. Be glad to help. Adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. Do it every day. So what, what do I, how do I pray, Pastor? I start by praising him. Then I make those confessions. Write them out if you need to. Write those out someplace where, you know, you don't even have to look them up in the Bible. You just got them written out on a piece of paper. You open that piece of paper up, and you just start going through those confessions. You say, will that, will that really make a difference? Oh, yes, it will. Oh, my goodness, it'll make a huge difference. Because you're, look, now when you're, it's like feeding on something. The Bible says that the Word of God, this is in Proverbs chapter 4, that the Word of God is like medicine to us. So when we begin to say what God says, it's like medicinal stuff going. It's like the right thing going into us. It's better than a cup of coffee, I promise you. It will do stuff to us because our spirit is becoming strong as we're confessing the Word. Well, Pastor, this was a really good sermon today. Thank you so much for sharing this with us, and uh, God bless you. Well, did you take notes? Thank you for those eight people that took notes today. Get the recording. I'm not selling anything. I'm just telling you, get the recording. Listen to it on We'll have it online here later today. Get it, do it, listen to it, apply it to your life. This is life-changing, 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 anxiety-relieving. The Bible says in the last days, anxiety will be so great that people will die from fear. Truly says that, that people will die from fear. It is a proven fact that when your body is put under duress under long periods of time, that it actually does start dying. It, parts of your body start malfunctioning because you were not created to be that way. You were created to praise Him. Hallelujah. You were created to homologia, to confess what He says about you. You were created to give thanks. You were created to supplicate, to cast your care upon the Lord. Stand up with me if you would. Amen. Thank you, Father God. Did you get anything out of this today? I know it was a lot. I know I went through a whole lot of it, and I had a different plan this morning. The Lord had a different plan today. Uh, and He's in charge. I'm just in sales, not management. Amen. I'm going to ask our prayer team if you'd come up, and those who are leaders to pray this morning, if you guys would come right now and just stand here at the altar with me. And... Uh, <clears throat> Thank you, Father. You know, just like that commercial that uh, they stick that phone out and you get to put your phone on top of it and take a charge off of it, that happens when people pray with you too. And sometimes we just need, Sharon and I, I can't tell you how many times we've had people, we just said, would you pray for us? Please pray. pray. I mean, I'm not talking about pray for us in your prayer time. I mean, pray for us right now. Would you lay hands on me? Would you pray over me? And would you believe God? I'm dealing with this in my life right now. I just need somebody to come alongside me and pray with me. And you know, you might be in some kind of a battle right now in your life. And maybe it's a physical thing you're going through. These are people that know how to believe with you. Now, 
if you think they're not up here with their own battles, that's foolishness. They all have their own battles. But these are people that adore the Lord, people that confess the word, people that are thanking God. I know all of them and people that know how to get before God with supplication. And look, if I had something going on in my life, no matter how big or how small, if I was concerned today about one of my kids or I was struggling with a financial issue or I was dealing with a health issue, I would not leave this place today without coming to this altar and having one of these people pray for me today. So I'm just going to ask, eyes wide open, everybody looking around, if you want prayer, I want you to begin to come right now. Awesome. Thank you, Elizabeth. Is there anyone else here today say, I'd like prayer, please? Now, maybe you want to stand in the gap for somebody. You want to pray. It's okay. Come on. Go ahead. You want to stand for someone else. That's okay, too. And get someone in agreement with you. You can do that right now. I want to ask you to come. Somebody you want to stand in faith for, with, believe God. Look, that's all available here today for us. Thank you, Lord God. We've got two people here that can pray.